Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale stack. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Get It Done and Storyteller. This episode is brought to you by In Vogue Sunnydale. In Vogue Sunnydale, the Hellmouth's premier clothier. Just because you're a demon or fighting a demon or being eaten by a demon doesn't mean you can't do it in style. Only the trendiest things visit In Vogue Sunnydale. Vampires, we have 37 different shades of black in the most evil styles. Whether you're looking for gothic puffy sleeves or a vintage 70s duster. Have a chamois leather ensemble that's been gathering more dust than a slayer's steak? We also offer leather restoration and repair to help your favorite pieces last centuries, just like you. Witches, we have an entire wall of hippie skirts in the most outlandish prints and colors. And our premier Enchantress line includes hidden pockets to take all of your wolvesbane, sage, and nude eyes on the go, so you can sacrifice your fawn without sacrificing your fashion sense. Watchers, watch out for our bookworm department. We offer a rainbow of sweater vest colors, a range of bow ties, and a wide selection of suit options. Whether you're looking for gray tweed, brown tweed, or sort of brownish gray, we have it all. And our professional tailors will custom craft your elbow patches to your exact size and taste. We also offer Teflon-coated jackets for that I-just-stand-around-suspiciously-not-touching-anything flair. Slayers, how can a chosen one choose with such a wide variety of white shirts, red pleather pants, tank tops, white shirts, colorful raincoats, sad overalls, white shirts, steak holsters, prom dresses, and white shirts to show those villains you have the upper hand in morality and class. And for those hot California nights, visit our wool coat and chunky turtleneck section. Visit In Vogue Sunnydale before it falls into the hellmouth. Visit our locations at 1612 and 5343 One Street, Sunnydale, California. And if you order online, you can get a 30% discount on selected pants. Just use the code Sunnydale Slacks. We asked, you answered, and Mike has no idea. <laughs> it's a stack of surprise. <laughs> So I absolutely delight in no-name character credits. Like, I love watching <laughs> I love watching credits at the end to find out, like, random person number five. <laughs> that sucks. By the way, I there's one of my favorite ones of all time in the movie The Shape of Water. Minor spoiler alert. Okay. There is a character credit. Or I should just say a credit. In the uh, credits that is Amphibian Man Dance Double. <laughs> so examples for Buffy season seven include stressed out boy, yep, crying girl, feral teen, imposing demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the imposing demon. So not Clem, and uh... that's my favorite imposing demon. A <laughs> uh, crazy citizen. 
And of course, Shadow Men, numbers one, two, and three. So I asked the stackers, if you were an unnamed character on Buffy, what would you be credited as? Alina said, clumsy girl. I might have to fight you for that one. I think I have the proper creds for that. Rick said, loud gay. Hannah said, the scouse watcher wannabe. I had to look this up. Okay, you know, we had a whole conversation about that. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing, and I think it is actually a scouse is, right? That sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. No, um, it's a type of British accent from Liverpool. Oh. She sent me a nice little how-to speak in a uh, scouse accent. I feel like this is uh, poking fun at us for thinking that the Cockney... Uh, <laughs> Potential was from Australia. Oh, it's all good about you, kangaroo. <laughs> Sorry to everyone for that. <laughs> Everybody everywhere. <laughs> That's offensive to literally everyone who's ever existed. <laughs> Megan said, girl that died immediately. Oh, Megan. And she said, I'd probably even have a line like, I can't believe I retired tomorrow. <laughs> Emily said, girl at the bronze with food stuck in her teeth, probably. Again, I feel like I'm going to fight you for that one. That one's mine. Uh, Nate said, unnamed murder alley hot dog vendor. I mean, if you're going to set up a hot dog cart, mm-hmm. the murder alley is like a catch-22 where like, yeah. you might die. But also, there's so many people there all the time. They're always hanging out in that murder it's alley. Probably profitable. And the winner, Susan, on Twitter, at mm-hmm. Dimsum Kitty, said, anxious cat lady. Oh, she said her my my imaginary backstory. I would rescue all those kittens used in poker and find them loving homes away from the hellmouth. My favorite, my oh. hero. She played to my heartstrings. She knows I got cats. That's how you do it. So come on, Mike, tell me what's your unnamed uh, credited role? Um, sarcastic bystander. <laughs> Fair, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like I'm not, I don't even have lines. I'm just like very clear in the background doing something like, <laughs> like being real sarcastic about some emergency. Yeah, I feel like I might be confused with harmony because mine would just be confused blonde. <laughs> oh, you're you're better than harmony any day of the week. I would hope so. Honestly, I mean, if not, I was hoping she wouldn't notice that was a very low bar. <laughs> I need to reexamine my life. <laughs> Now let's head into the Sunnydale Stacks and open the books on Get It Done. Get it done. I was waiting. Get it done. So if you were uh, taking bets, it was immediately was how long it took us to make the Larry the Cable Guy joke. Get it done. Uh, so every square inch of the summer's home is filled with sleeping potential slayers. Mm-hmm. Buffy's got a dream that Chloe is crying and then she's attacked by the first slayer. Immediately yeah. you're like, yeah, that's a pro- that's a prophetic dream. Maybe it'll be Chloe's moment to shine. Oh, ouch. First slayer has returned. Your favorite character. My, she's a favorite. Someone get that girl a shower. So onions, the onion spike scene. I love these two together. <laughs> I do. I mean, I love the two of them separately, but when you put them together, they're just fabulous. Because Anya won't drop Spike's bone. It's my bone! She is... She's thirsty. Girl yeah, is thirsty. I don't blame her. 
No, and like I understand because she's not going out by herself a lot because like uh, bringers and yeah. craziness going on. But like she just she's needs to gotta get, get somewhere. Gotta get her some. Just yeah. just some some passing strange. Uh, but I like this because they, they do have something in common. They both recently chose to become human. Yeah. Uh, so they've got some real chemistry. And because Spike, you know, with a soul is just so sweet, he, he pays her a very nice compliment. Mm-hmm. And she's like, taking that as a moment. Uh. I'm slide my arm in here. And I just, I love this back and forth. And I love the moment where he's just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and there's a demon behind her. Like, oh, good. Just get out of this awkward conversation. <laughs> I wish I could use that when I was in more awkward conversations. Yeah, there's definitely, like, they're doing this in the murder alley, but, like, way back when, when Kristen was, like, you know, by herself in social situations, there were definitely moments where it's just, like, I would really prefer a demon attack this bar right now, so don't attack this person. Oh, my God. And so, apparently, the DeHoffrin is still pissed and still sending demons after her. Meanwhile, Buffy and Robin are disciplining two kids who got in a fight at lunch. And we see some signs of the upcoming apocalypse. The kids are basically going crazy. Uh, You've got a lot of fights. Certain kids are missing. Weird stuff. And I like that Buffy points out kind of meta. Stuff happens around the same time every year. Usually blows around May. Getting closer to the season finale. What? What is that? How do you know what that is? The the finale of our season of schooling. Mm-hmm. That's how I I um, talk about graduation mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, that's nearly graduation season. <laughs> Picking the graduates off the tree. Leave <laughs> them in your bushel. Robin gives Buffy his mom's bag of tricks. So this is a Slayer emergency kit that was supposed to be passed down. From generation to generation. How many Slayers have we gone through so far? Like, because his mom died in the 80s. Buffy didn't get called till 94. She was she was slain before the series yeah. began. 96-ish. Anyways, we went through Mid-90s. at least, considering the short Slayer lifespan, at least three Slayers have died yeah. in between Nikki and Buffy. Yeah, like, if you're being... Real generous, maybe four years per Slayer. Right. At least 12 years have passed. So, yeah, there's got to be, like, three Slayers. And yet least. he just kept this shit. Because uh, it reminded him of his mom, and he couldn't find that jacket. I appreciate that his mom died. Mm-hmm. All my condolences. I don't appreciate it. I think he sh- <laughs> that she shouldn't have died. Yeah. I'm not a fan Fair. of mom murder. Yeah, no, that's... We do not uh, condone... Matricide. matricide. Uh, is it matricide if you're not the one who killed your own mother? I mean, aren't we all each other's mother somewhere? I don't know. Nope. No? No. You can't use... No. It's nothing. Uh, I guess we're not high enough for that to sound <laughs> really meaningful. Ooh, let's do a high TSS episode. Oh, be. God. I'm already rambling. Let's see what happens when that... <laughs> Just go back and do a drunk beer bat. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> So anyways, what I'm saying is he should not have kept this shit. Mm-hmm. Bad move. It's not like he's even using it. He's just like, oh, yeah, I have this bag. Like, I'm emotionally really... connected to it, but I've never opened it. Okay. Buffy takes him uh, home with her to show him her whole operation. And this is where we get the classic Andrew line. Where have you been? This funnel cake is kicking my ass. <laughs> you, you know you're not a great fighter when funnel cake can beat you. 
I just... I mean, nobody ever picked Funnel Cake in Mortal Kombat. I appreciate that he is contributing to the group with tasty, tasty snacks. In particular, Funnel Cakes are amazing. It's a weird choice for a home snack to make. It is a weird choice. I support it in full. You know why? There are not enough Funnel Cakes in this world. They only show up at carnivals, Mm -hmm. which only means summertime, which in Chicago means like a month if you're lucky. More funnel cakes is all I'm saying. You can't even buy that shit in like the frozen food aisle. Oh, I imagine a frozen funnel cake would not yeah, work out. Yeah, right? Terrible. Andrew's doing it the right way. He's mm-hmm. making it from scratch. It's hard. Props to Andrew. He's trying to make it in the new microwave. He's doing the Lord's work. So she shows him, uh, or he shows them the big board, oh. which is yeah, not helpful. See, it's got little illustrations of four things. But yeah, that's just it. It's just like, here's a scary face that represents the first. Sure. And then a building on fire that represents the school. Helpful. Yep. All those things. So they go in the backyard and they uh, watch the potentials learning martial arts. Where Kennedy's acting as the drill sergeant. I like this. Like, it, yeah. it makes it uh, feel a little bit bigger because you keep hearing stuff about how, like, we're at war. Yeah. This is a war. We're recruiting people. And mostly that's been, like, Buffy lecturing three girls. Yes. And it's just like, I, I don't really feel like this is the building of an army. This helps with that. Well, and we know that Kennedy has more training than the other yeah. potentials. So this is the idea that she's mm-hmm. going to take care of training them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Buffy's at work because she, I mean, even if Buffy didn't have to go to work, she'd need a fucking break from these yeah. chicks every once in a while. I like that Kennedy is doing this, um, but she's also giving Chloe a hard time and kind of relishing in it. She's just like, do you hear me gr- call that girl a maggot? Yeah. Like, mm, that, we maybe don't get that excited about it. Also, it's not like that creative. That's like the first improv scene you do where you're pretending to be like a drill sergeant. You say maggot. Like, yeah. It's not even not being clever, Kennedy. No Arlie Ermy you. I do really, 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 really appreciate Robin's point here. Mm-hmm. What good is martial arts versus an incorporeal evil incarnate? Yeah. Yeah. That is a good fucking point. Like, uh, you know, you didn't see the Ghostbusters do a lot of boxing. Right. <laughs> but then they could have fight, fought the mayor. Wasn't he a jerk? He was just like a bureaucrat. That's yeah, like just saying, punch like, that asshole. like, go to the DMV and just punch everybody there. I also support that. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like this. He's very smart and pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Willow walks by with some weapons yeah. and very badly tries to explain them away. She's not good at it. She's not good at it. She's like, she like has like, oh, we're doing drill cheerleading for the martial arts. I have nothing for these crossbows. Yeah. The, the again, anti-crossbows, because God forbid they get a crossbow from this century. And then I like her comment about like, oh, he's so much cooler than Snyder. But, very true. Oh, very much so. Also prettier. I also, uh, <laughs> I feel like I might be... <laughs> Sussing a little crush here. It's the eyelashes. Um, he has very thick eyelashes. Yeah. I also love the line here where Amanda says, it's so weird seeing you out of school. Because we've all had that experience. Yeah. Seeing a teacher, principal, whatever, outside of school. And I imagine it's doubly weird if you're training to be a demon fighter. Yeah. And he shows up there. She says it as if she ran into him at the mall mm-hmm. when actually she ran into him while training to be a slayer. Yeah. 
so Buffy's not optimistic anymore about mm. the whole we are an army thing. She says it's not enough and these girls are going to die. And she says, I have a whole bunch of Slayer wannabes with nothing to hit. A Wicca who won't. Mm. Uh, Andrew's baking. Anya doesn't do anything. And Spike has lost his bite. So not very uplifting. So two big problems I have here. First of all, the line, a Wicca who won't. I kind of love it. Oh. No? Why not? Because it's not even a pun. It's, it's, we didn't speak. A Wicca who won't. What? I, I like it. It makes me sad every time I hear it. Um, <laughs> and then maybe I misheard it. Does she, does she at one point refer to Andrew as the brains? Yes. That's, Since yeah. when? He may think of himself that way, but. Nobody has ever said, like, oh, that's where we're keeping you around for your great brain. It's more like, well, we can't kill you. I mean, yeah. This is how he's contributing with funnel cake. Mm-hmm. Where someone will contribute contribute to my, you know, vast campaigns mm-hmm. and missions with homemade funnel cake. Uh, I wish. If only. Robin and Spike have a very tense conversation mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Or, I'm sorry, in the basement. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was almost like, yeah. Wait, wait, what? Bathroom. I'm dying. They're both at the urinal. I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I get myself an ass attack. No, they're in the basement, and this is super rude because, like, Robin has just wandered into Spike's room. Basically, mm-hmm. this is his bedroom, and like Buffy stops at the bottom of the stairs because that's polite. Robin just wanders past Spike into the room and starts insulting him. And it's like, the fuck? (laughs) Who is this dickhead? They don't teach manners in Beverly Hills. Apparently not. And like, I get like only vampires need an invitation, but it is still polite to Mm -hmm. wait for an invitation to someone's basically bedroom. Dawn, meanwhile, I just love her in this episode. She's really just like taking initiative. Like she, you know, Buffy comes Mm -hmm. home with the bag and, and Dawn's like, I'm going to look into it. Yeah. Here's what I do. She opens it up, explaining what's in there. She knows about like shadow puppets, which is cool. Didn't sure. know she had that interest. Yeah. Maybe she took a drama class we didn't know about. But then they find Chloe's body. Yikes. Duh. Oof. This is. Oof, my goof. I mean, they show it. It's not like a For shadow. A long time. Yeah. It's not like a shadow on the wall or like you just see your feet. That is Chloe. Yeah. My problem isn't so much that they show it. It's that, like, this isn't even a particularly good or memorable scene. Like, I feel, I, I don't know. I've, I've never, like, I barely remember this happening. And I feel like if you're going to use something as serious as suicide, you have to do it well. Oh, see, I disagree. Like, even though, like, the potentials, Mm -hmm. most of them barely register and Chloe has not had much screen time. Mm If you say to me, like, oh, Buffy season seven, Chloe, I'm immediately like, oh, yeah, that one who hung herself. And, like, I immediately mm. picture them walking up and finding her body. This this had an impact on me. I don't know. Something about it, it's just always felt very flat to me in a way that just, like, the biggest memory I have is, like, oh, yeah, they did that. Mm. I don't know. It's just never – it's never had the impact it's it's supposed to on me. I feel like they could have made this more impactful by having mm. Chloe be in more than like two scenes before that this. That would definitely help. I would argue mm. that might make it 
too impactful. Like, I feel like the only reason you can get away with mm. showing this poor girl's hanging body, like, so starkly and mm. so graphically on screen is that because, uh, you know, this is in Willow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying there. I just, and also part of it is, is like, not that you always know everything that's in somebody's head when they do something, but it also just feels like in, in the show, it's almost like they say, Oh, she was having trouble in training that one day and somebody called her maggot. So she killed herself. She doesn't do a good job of, of mm-hmm. like really fleshing out the character and their motivations for it in a way that it just feels like, well, we just needed this to happen right now and but, it doesn't have the impact. Yeah. It, the, the season definitely, we've said it before, suffers from too many people. Yeah. So that you can't become emotionally invested in all of them. Mm-hmm. And Chloe's definitely one that has only been on screen a couple of times. Yeah. And even them saying that Eve talked her into this by like mm-hmm. whispering sweet nothings in her ear all night. You can kind of put your, you can put yourself in mm-hmm. Chloe's shoes and say like, oh yeah, that'd be very upsetting if this person that I knew and considered my friend coerced me into doing this, but it, it would be more meaningful if this character mean more to us. But yeah. the thing that always is so disturbing for me every time is Chloe's pajamas that mm. like, even though she looks to be about the same age as all the other girls, she's mm. wearing like cartoon mm. childlike pajamas. And to me, that's just so upsetting. Yeah. And there is something about like that choice alone makes it like not glamorous. It's not like, you know, they chose like a, a, a flashy outfit or, you know, did it in a dramatic way. It's just like, no, I'm just, these are the pajamas I'm I wearing. Kind, yeah. And I kind of like, that's a good choice. I think about, you know, they could have shot this very artistically Mm -hmm. with some nuance and some sort of like cool camera angles, but it's almost body-esque the way that they're just like, no, it's there. It is right there. Mm -hmm. And it's really obvious. And we're going to hold on that with non like artistic lighting. Mm. I know I get what you're saying. And I just, something about it. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't impact me in the, in the way that I think the show wants it to. Yeah. Which makes it feel like, all the more distasteful. Not that you can't or shouldn't have this be a story element, but I just, I, it just feels like it needs to be stronger for me to like feel like it. I, I would want it there. Buffy buries the body wearing a white sweater. <gasps> By the way, uh, so this girl has no family or friends anywhere That's else? That's a question I have here about now all the potentials. Yeah. Like, because we know Kennedy has a family. We've talked about mm-hmm. it. Amanda lives in Sunnydale. Uh, presumably she has some kind of guardians. Yeah. What's the explanation for their parents? And yeah. like, yeah, no, Chloe, totally, if she has a family, you need to contact those people and mm-hmm. make arrangements. I guess you could use the, the justification that they like don't have time to go through the proper channels. And if like the family were upset, then they'd get involved in legal stuff that they don't have time for. But like. I Drop an care. anonymous letter or something. Like, yeah. just let them know. Yeah. And that's never even addressed. Yeah. And considering all of the, like, suspicious deaths in Sunnydale, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not advocating yeah. desecrating a body, but if you dropped her off at the hospital or the funeral mm-hmm. home, I kind of assume they wouldn't look into it too much. Yeah, in Sunnydale, that, that is a good point. Sadly. So Buffy goes back inside and gives... The world's worst eulogy. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, Chloe was an idiot and Chloe was weak. 
and I'm tired of carrying all of you. You're just waiting around for me to do something. I really don't have Buffy's back here. Yeah, it's it's another instance in the episode similar to the the Chloe thing in general of just like I don't I don't feel like the show's justified her getting quite to this point yet. No, and it it doesn't feel in character for Buffy. No, it doesn't feel in character for. I mean, it's Giles. Giles isn't even around this episode. What the fuck is Giles? I don't know. Off not touching stuff in a jacket somewhere. <laughs> Xander has a really good point. He goes, Yavol. Yeah. But like, you're our leader. And it's not mm-hmm. like she told them to go do something yeah. and they didn't do it. Or, or they, yeah, they, they were like back talking her in, in any main. Yeah. like Or they were like, oh, that was hard. So we didn't finish. Like, mm-hmm. you're waiting around for me to tell you to do something. Yeah, that's called leadership. Yeah. You have to get... There's no plan. Nobody here has a plan. It's not like Buffy has a plan mm. and no one's helping her. No one knows what to do about the first. And honestly, if if you're, like, upset with everyone, like, keep going to you for things, then, like, delegate the responsibility. Like, okay, today you and you are going to do this. Right. Or you're going to make the, like... Or even, like, Don took the initiative. Like, you brought mm. home this bag from Robin and no. didn't even open it. And Don's the one like... I went through it. I took an inventory. Mm-hmm. Here's what I found out. Like, that's the initiative. Yeah. That's something she is able to do. Mm-hmm. And like, you see around the house, all of these different books translating different languages. Mm-hmm. They're clearly working on something. Yeah. Buffy attacks everybody. She yeah. attacks Anya. Um, what are you doing here? She tells Spike, I'll call you if I need someone to get weepy or wailed on. Okay. Considering, like, eh, he went through a lot for you, and also, like, every step of the way, he has helped you. Yeah, but Buffy's a, a, a lot off base here. I love Spike's look in reaction to her, where, like, it's just the embodiment of, the fuck you just say to me? <laughs> and he tells her, he's like, I gotta win to Africa, and then went through all these trials to get a fucking soul from yeah. you. And now you're mad that I'm not a soulless monster? Get fucked. <laughs> and she tells him, I want the spike who tried to kill me when we first met. He says, you have no idea how close you are to bring him out. She goes, I'm Ooh. nowhere near him. Like, do you want to be really? You, do you want Angelus in this fight? Because I think you never want Angelus in the fight. Not, not to go back here, because we've gotten a, a far, far enough away, finally, in the season. But remember the last time you talked to him without a soul? Right? What happened? Right? Just saying. Buffy, I get it. You lost your temper, mm-hmm. and you said shit that, like, you didn't mean to. Yeah. Happens to all of us. Apologize. <laughs> You're just wrong. Yeah. You're wrong here. So Buffy opens the unopenable box from inside uh, the emergency bag, and it makes sense that only the Slayer would have the strength to open it. What? <laughs> The way you phrase that, um, she opens it from inside the emergency bag. Imagine like a Houdini-esque escape where she's inside the bag, like yeah. opening a box. <laughs> Just a duffel with like elbows <laughs> poking out. See the shadow casters. Uh, they tell the story of the first layer. Oh, I'm wondering if any. I don't. I don't know if you got this or if any of the stackers got this. Mm. The big Buffy book that comes with shadow casters. You gotta what? get it. Oh no, yeah. I never got that. No, the disappointing thing is that they're. 
paper. Yeah. So they like fall over. But it was very exciting. Chris got me this, um, this big red Buffy book full of stuff. So the book is called Buffy, the making of a slayer. And like, it is so cool. You guys got to get this thing. Oh. And like on the inside pocket, you've got this manila folder full of just like stuff. <laughs> and like, there's all, oh, it's so cool. You've got newspaper articles and like Willow's spell from, uh, <laughs> Angelus's soul back and like notebook paper. What is on this? Yeah, the ritual of restoration mm. in Willow's handwriting. It's so cute. Mm. Yeah, look, I got these little shadow. This was my oh favorite my part of it. The shadow casters. Oh, and it folds out. That's it's cool. A, they're a little, they're a little flimsy. Yeah, but they're they're definitely not Buffy quality. But yeah. we'll we'll put that there for the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah. The demon wants to fall over. Yeah, it's, okay. <laughs> it's a floppy demon. And like, there's you've got a Aww. Olivia sketch of the gentleman. Nice. If you guys have not picked up this book, I recommend it. Uh, I hadn't even heard of it until Chris got it for me. That's awesome. Expert level husband points, let me tell you. Mm. I guess that's our third sponsor of the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I love that there's those the drum beats in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, where are they coming from? It's very exciting. Uh, and the shadow casters are amazing. Mm. I just want one of these things. Yeah. I want mine to function and to come to life yes um, and like effects that work i mean granted it's mostly because it's like basically 2d animation but it's something it's just proof that like it's better to be low tech mm-hmm. and have like th- than be high tech and have it not work yeah. like it's you know it's this is absolutely awesome and creepy they say first there was the earth then the demons then men then the men made a slayer and the book changes from Sumerian to English. Uh, and it, this is a very horror-esque scene. This makes me think of like low-budget horror. Like, yeah, this works for me. Very babadook Yes. By the way, if you're afraid of the Babadook, you're a helpful hint. Just say the word Babadook to the tune of Xanadu. Can't be scared of that. <laughs> babadook. <laughs> Uh, so this is, yeah, the, this practical effect is wonderful until the Stargate opens. Yeah, or the, uh, it's uh, Al from Quantum Leap that's coming in. Yep. Yeah, it's... Uh, so Buffy walks in, and in exchange, they get a big scary demon. Yeah. Willow tries to magic it away, but nothing happens. So Robin is, does not kill this thing, but points for effort, man. Yeah, he, he gets some good hits in. He's got a ninja stars. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. Dawn even gets in there a little bit. Yeah, Kenny yeah. and Dawn just they go for it. Like in yeah. Buffy's whole thing about like I've been carrying you. Like, dude, they're trying. They yeah. don't have magic strength and they are all mm-hmm. trying. The demon throws Spike through the ceiling. Dawn, Spike just keeps going through walls and ceilings and damaging all the drywall this season. He came in like a wrecking ball. And then the demon busts through the French doors, which mm. Xander. Worked so hard on. Delightful French doors. I have to say, I don't remember there being French doors in the summer's home, but they're there now. They're to make room for all the new kids. Sure. On the block. So now Willow's got to do a spell strong enough to get Buffy back without sending her off the deep end. Obviously, they want to get the demon back to save Buffy, but they have something about like, how are we going to deal with this demon without Buffy? It's like, really? Yeah. You guys, as a whole, you don't think you can deal with one demon? Yeah, you, I mean, you all have slayed something. Yeah, and like, maybe if this 
bit of dialogue had happened before Buffy had her speech, then it might be a little bit more justified when they're like, well, we can't possibly deal with one demon. Kennedy, after just having gone through watching Willow turn into Warren, mm-hmm. a little ignorant here when she's like, yeah, so what if you go brunette? I mean, yeah, that's the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Anya uh, wants to leave Buffy there. Uh I guess it gives her something to do this episode. I'm not on your side, and that does not feel in character. No, like I not that like Anya wouldn't be probably the first in some situations to say we might have to leave a man behind, but not just immediately out of nowhere without trying not to. Well, and not only that, like the whole reason Anya's whole function right now is that she's hiding out in the Slayer's house mm-hmm. because she's scared. No. To not be near Buffy. So why would she be so happy to like not have the protector? Yeah, she should be freaking out right now. Yeah. Like, there's no one here to save us. Dawn, meanwhile, being logical. Just, she's very methodical this episode. Mm-hmm. I like that. The gal with the plan. She says, okay, so Willow doesn't know what to do, but where would you start looking? Yeah. Like, okay, well, we'll start researching, reopening the portal while Spike goes and gets that demon because there was some language about an exchange. Buffy has been zapped into the desert and meets a couple of men. The circle of questionable racial stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of like, I don't know about these guys. How authentic is this? Where where are you pulling from? Who who consulted? I would like to see your research before I sign off on this. Yeah, and like I I know through research that like uh, these guys are speaking Swahili, so I'm assuming they speak Swahili. Okay, that's something, but it's like I don't know. This could just be like three guys. From a country that speaks, or not even from it. They just might have, like, family who speaks Swahili. They just might be guys who speak Swahili who have no cultural understanding of wherever this is supposed to be, which I'm not very specific on. I mean, I get... I have no proof otherwise, so yeah. I'm just going to hope they did their research. Let's let's hope so, and it's not just, like, based on the same stereotypes as a Gilligan's Island episode. Or that Scooby-Doo movie we watched that was, like... Oh, very Ooga Booga. Very yeah. Ooga Booga. So they call Buffy the Hellmouth's last guardian. Bum, bum, bum. And does n- they don't correct, or they, they, you know, when she says, you mean latest. Like, no, the last. And they knock her out. Meanwhile, Willow's first attempt at the spell ends with her zapping Dawn and Kennedy and going black-eyed. I, I don't know what about it. Something about the editing or maybe the scream itself. It had a real heavy, are you afraid of the dark flashback of the, huh. just like the turn and scream are oh. you afraid of the dark, dark to me i do like when this again like you know i like kennedy when she has her moments of being genuine that mm. you know willow turns to her and says i think i may pee my pants <laughs> and kennedy you know tells her she can do it uh I, at this, some depends that uh, very helpful at this point i i noticed that we are now 30 minutes into the episode mm-hmm. and it's all feels like setup still it's weird. It feels like multiple setups to like different payoffs and not like all part of one. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're all, they've, we've got three different adventures going on, but it's just still very much like, is this the main conflict? I don't know. At this point, yeah. I was just like waiting for the, you know, like Buffy's in the desert, but what's she doing there? We still don't know yet. We're yeah. halfway through the episode, more than halfway. Yeah. You need a Lebowski rug in there. A what? Something to tie the room together. Such a proud sip. Look at that. 
So the ma- the men chained up Buffy the way that they chained up the first layer. Mm-hmm. Consent. I mean, there's nuances, but in general, it's not a hard concept. If chains and the the words "Yes, please" chains are not together, uh, probably not consent. Oh no, we know what's best for you, so we're gonna dose you with more power, mm-hmm. the power of the first layer, because this is their only move. Yeah, it's to chain up a lady and uh, shoot some weird CGI demon smoke in her. I burnt my pancakes. Well, let's chain you up and zap you with some first slayer power. I, I could just heat up these waffles. <laughs> I mean, you just jump to that. No. And then, so the, the demon power that they sick on mm-hmm. Buffy is this black cloud. It's not well done. I mean, it's season seven CGI. What did we expect? It does look a little bit like somebody just like, had a, a spray paint effect, effect and MS paint and just kind of yeah. like squiggle it around a little bit. It makes me think of um, House on the Hill or, or House, House on, on Haunted, Haunted Hill. Hill. Yeah. yeah, that that movie, I still own it on VHS. Ooh, yeah. watch out, fellas. Uh, that it's, um, that movie terrifies the crap out of me. Like the idea of like a haunted, insane asylum, fuck you, that's terrifying. Until you get to the end and the bad guy is a black cloud. Yeah. And I'm not scared anymore. (laughs) Uh, So apparently all of Spike's power lies in his duster. It is a little too Popeye where it's like... (laughs) He needs to get it from the basement or he just can't fight without Mm -hmm. it. It's like a security blanket. There's no part of this that is butch. And here's the weird thing. Is yeah. I remember this being a really cool part of the season. Mm. Like, you remember, like, oh, yeah, things got so much better when Spike had that badass episode where he went and got his his duster back. And this time watching, I'm like, this is not a badass moment. Well, I think it was kind of ruined for me when I just thought to myself, like, oh, it's funny. He's just going to go get his coat. And it's like, oh, wait, no, that is exactly all he does is go get his coat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But like, it is very Stella got her groove back. Yeah. It's just like, you did nothing else. You could have, the coat was inside you all along. <laughs> right. Like. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love the coat. It's yeah. a good look. Earlier, he's wearing like a button up shirt. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there's something, this is weird. Yeah, sensitive dad spike. Isn't yeah. <laughs> it's, mm. But this is still like, yeah, it's a little goofy. Mm-hmm. It is a cool moment when he walks by Robin, who says, like, where'd you get the coat? Mm-hmm. And he says, New York. Yeah. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. But then that's ruined when you think about, like, you're not going to help Robin. You're just going to stand around. Yeah. Aren't you, aren't you like part of the team now? Just scowl. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to be one of us. So, you know, previously I'd always said like, oh, it's interesting how there's such a clear cut defin- definition between Angelus and Angel mm-hmm. to the point that they have two different names. Yeah. Whereas it's not a theme for Spike. It's just yeah. it's Spike with or without its soul. And there's not mm-hmm. much of a difference of Spike with a chip mm-hmm. and Spike with a soul. This time around, I don't feel that way. I yeah. feel like it's kind of pretty clearly delineated. Yeah. Like, you know, these moments that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is William, not Spike. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Because I think a lot of it is like he doesn't have necessarily the aside from coat or no coat, the the big aesthetic things whereas like Angelus acts, you know, all grinny and maniacal. Whereas like Spike versus uh William 
or I guess Spike versus sold Spike because he doesn't really go by William. Mm. Um, he still like has a lot of the same mannerisms, the same vocal patterns. He just like feels bad about bad shit now. Um, well, and it's it you know there is a difference if you think about mm-hmm. Angelus never had a chip. Yeah. So if you picture like season two Spike versus season seven Spike, like, yeah, then there's a difference. Mm -hmm. It's just that we got so used to Spike with Chip. Which was very much like a halfway point between like pure evil Spike and William. Yeah. So Willow's doing her spell. Mm -hmm. And I really dislike this. Um, Willow has been great at Latin since season two. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this point, she gives up on the Latin and she says, screw it. Mighty forces. I suck at Latin. Okay. But that's not important right now. Like, excuse me. You don't. Who wrote these lines? Yeah. This is not how Willow talks. And this is just not true. And like, I get what they're going for of just like, let's say like a Bill O'Reilly moment. Fuck it. We'll do a live. Uh, just kind of like outburst of just like putting, putting past the pretense, but. I don't think it's necessarily justified here. No. Um, and certainly the way she does it. Yeah. Like you said, she knows Latin. She's was a good Latin student. Yeah. She was a good student, period. Yeah. If you want to show Willow like losing mm-hmm. control, we've seen that. Yeah. And it's not Willow being bad at magic. No. It's her being too good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Spike fighting the demon as being this amazingly awesome fight. Pretty lame. Yeah, especially since I feel like it feels like it should be flashing red if this were the video game. Weakness that this monster has, that big old tooth, like that that weird horn thing on the bottom. Yeah. How did he not like grab that and do something with it? I the, The vibe that I got from this was, you remember Beneath You? When mm-hmm. Spike was like pretending to be badass. Yeah. That's what this feels like. Yeah. And he's still getting his ass kicked. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't feel like he's doing like a rope a dope. It just feels like he's like, yeah, I'm doing great. It's like, you're really not. You're not doing great. No. I, I, I do think part of the problem here is choreography, but like yeah, this is just, it's just a little lax. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even, and I'm not quite sure how it ends. It, it might be a headbutt. It might be he snaps the guy's neck. I don't really know. Yeah, that shouldn't be a question. Yeah, it should be an amazing moment. Again, they should have used that, the horn thing. Yes. That should have been, he should have like used that as leverage to like snap the thing's neck. Great. No. And then lights up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then this big moment that he's, he's smoking. Oh, yeah. The good for the soul. Because I have a soul now. And again, this might be a moment if I'm not like, you're going to drop this forever for the next season. (laughs) Like, this (laughs) is not going to be your personality. In the alternate dimension, Buffy is literally slaying the patriarchy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Literally. I mean, literally. 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 Uh, she says, you're just men. Men forcing things on women they don't want. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Men Ugh. thinking they get to make decisions about a woman's body for her. Sounds familiar. <laughs> she breaks her chains. Metaphor. Do you get it? 
And she whips the sh- the men with them. Mm. More metaphors. What? This makes me think of the moment when Leia um, takes the oh, chains yeah. that she's been bond mm. with and chokes Jabba with yeah. them. <laughs> like fucking using your own chains mm-hmm. to slay the fucking patriarchy. Yes, do it all day long. That does make me think, yeah, Jabba is a pretty great representation of the patriarchy. It's just this like creepy pervert slug who's just like, yeah, dance for me. There's a really interesting interview um, with Carrie where she talks about how like the, how she got through this whole terrible shooting with um, George Lucas. Where George said, like where George is making her like wear this stupid fucking outfit mm. and like sit up perfectly straight because princesses can't have stomach rolls that she's like the like she's like i actually love that scene because i take the change that they bond me with it Mm. and i choke this fat fuck (laughs) (laughs) she's just like i actually love that scene now like now every time i watch that scene i'm just like yes she's literally taking the change she was bonded with and slaying the fucking patriarchy (laughs) fuck yes she straight up tells us that um they can't help her which downside to this really awesome fight mm. means that this whole episode was pointless utterly utterly pointless cut this episode out of the season what changes it does serve a, a purpose of kind of in a way foreshadowing the end of the season like the whole idea of setting the slayer line free the idea that not only has stuff happened to the slayer line that may have caused the first to uh you know come out come about and you know do all her firsty stuff um first i just made that connection that's something we'll have to talk about too um i'm so lost you just said first a bunch of times so first 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 firsty 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 first 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 I think Michael's broken. Um, he just referred to himself as Michael, which I've literally never heard before. So, yeah. <laughs> Michael bot error. Does not compute. But Who's I, I, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's my, it's when I go through the Urkel machine. Okay. Become Stefan Urkel. Yeah. Michael. But just basically setting up that Buffy's not necessarily playing by the set rules anymore that things can change with the Slayer line. I, I get that it might serve that kind of purpose. I, what I wish is that they did a better job of making the episode about the mythology of the Slayer in a more interesting, full way than just like having a cool puppet show. And then they just kind of dick around for 20 minutes. And she's like, no, you perfectly summarize this episode <laughs> yeah uh they say we offered you power she says tell me something i don't know that is a that bothers me so much because that's not something you say in response to we offered you power tell me something i don't know no, no they really just wanted to like wedge in there tell me something i don't know yeah there's like i Something with the spirit of tell me something I don't know, but worded differently is what probably should have been there. Right. But they wanted that so that they could be like, okay, you asked for it. And he gives her a vision. Uh, Spike offers the demon's body for an exchange. Kennedy has had a wake up call about Dark Willow. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, she says, I thought it would be cool, but it was scary. She feels violated. Fucking duh. So wait, so, so Kenny, you felt violated. Almost like somebody ignored and disrespected your boundaries. And you didn't care for that. Huh. 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 You know what? <laughs> Say I'm writing a series. Um, I introduced a character who's, 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 who's very headstrong, but to the point where, where she maybe, uh, uh, doesn't listen to people when they tell her no. Uh, specifically even in a romantic context. Hmm. And then she encounters a situation wherein her boundaries are disrespected. And she feels what it's like. Maybe I might make a point of that character learning and growing from that. That would be like, wonderful. Literally, a line would be fine. Sure. That's, I feel like there's a whole phrase. What is it? Dynamic character. Yeah. Of someone who grows. And like, this is again, again, and I know we, we we're beating the Kennedy horse, but like, it's right there. That's what's really upsetting about this one. Like, they maybe didn't see some stuff before, but like, how do you not see this as like, even if you, you don't have as much of a problem with it being like weird consent issues of just like, Hey, maybe I don't need to be as, as pushy with things. Cause I, I get what it feels like to, to now have somebody do something without asking. Even if you don't frame it in like the, the ways that we have just as like a more subtle, not as problematically thought about thing. I don't, I don't see how you, you write this episode, have that bit in it and don't connect it. I don't, I don't understand, Kristen. I don't, I have no answers for you. And then the next episode, it just seems like, oh, well, they're over it. Over what? I don't understand. Nothing happened. She was like, oh, this is kind of scary. Bye. Buffy now regrets not taking the added power because. They showed her inside the Hellmouth, which is crawling with Uber vamps. Oh no, the prophecy has come true. It's the end of Vampire Academy. Oh no! This is where the two were going to meet with that third uh, breed of vampire that we never the, really the vampire, met. Vampire, the clampier, and the <laughs> champier. We should have watched the sequel. No. Frostbite, was it going to be called? I don't know. Please no. So what do you think of this one? It it takes a long way. It, it takes a long time to go nowhere. Mm. <laughs> like, there's a couple of cool moments. Some nice character stuff with, like, say, Dawn. But a lot of characters acting outside of character for very poorly explained reasons. It just kind of ends. Mm. The prophecy, like, at the time, I probably would have been pretty cool to just be like, oh, man, that's a lot of vampires. Everything else around it is just kind of a lot of the the same problems we've been having with the season, like bad speeches, way too many characters, and none of it ties together. Yeah, it, it to me this episode has just embodies all of the pro- problems of season seven. It has a title that means fucking nothing. Do, does she say get it done in the speech? Maybe, maybe like maybe right before she jumps into the portal, the Stargate, that she says get it done. Whatever, between get it done, never leave me, bring it on. Bring right, on the night. Bring on the night. Sure. Did you say bring it on? It's, uh, it, they all sound like the same mm. thing, and I don't know. So a title means nothing. It's got a long-winded speech. Nothing really changes from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode. 
a lot of wasted time. Spike's behavior is inconsistent. And we've got cheap CGI. All of my problems with season seven. Which sucks because, like, there are themes in this episode that I like in theory. Mm-hmm. I love the shadows. Yeah, that's a great sequence. And, like, like I said, if they had made the episode more about, like, actually delving into what it means to be a, a slayer and giving context for the rest of the season and, and, like, but, like, having all these potential slayers is a different feeling than just having, like, the one slayer and we know her job and here's how she, what she does with her friends. But, like, having this whole lineage together of all these people explore that yeah don't and just the, yeah i mean you've got this cool potential training ground mm-hmm. you know robin starting to join the group is interesting the idea of spike getting his mojo back in theory could be cool yeah. so all these cool ideas that no just fall into the season seven traps mm-hmm. oh it's uh time to break and hear from our second sponsor this week from acclaimed storyteller, former supervillain, and Tucker's younger brother, Andrew, comes a brand new audio series. Andrew's TV tales are dramatic interpretations of some of television's finest stories brought to life by the stirring sounds of Mr. Andrew Wells. Take a listen, won't you? The pieces were falling together, like a puzzle with matched-up pieces. The hair, her skin... Those strange, uncomfortable cravings she couldn't tell anyone about, and may have even denied to herself deep down. Then, with a sudden start, young Liv Moore realized fully and eerily that she was the eye zombie. Listen to the thrilling tales of Game of Thrones, Pretty Little Liars, Deadwood, E.R., Frasier, This Is Us, My Two Dads, The Wire, Blossom, Doctor Who, One Tree Hill, Bonanza, and many, many more. Andrew's adaptations cut to the very heart of every character, scene, and previously on segment. How about a sample from yesteryear? Al pressed the button, and the light door shut behind. Well done, Sam thought to himself, gently tossing his own hair with his robust fingers. He felt the familiar zing and zang of electricity as blue light enwrapped his muscular yet approachable frame. He girded himself as he had gird many a time before, for he was the leaper most quantum. Enjoy science fiction. Andrew will keep you engaged in the goings-on of a certain starship. Thank you, Doctor, he said to the odd-looking fellow he knew not only as the alien medical officer, but as his alien friend. He turned in his chair, the captain's chair, for he was the captain. Captain Archer was his name. He had the chiseled jaw, sensitive eyes, and lustrous, shiny hair of a leader. Take us out, Ensign, he said, with the authoritative command of a starship commander that he was. He knew this was not to be the last endeavor for this ship to attempt. This enterprise was not done with her mission or her strapping captain. Huh. I... Andrew has so much range, too. Just listen to this excerpt from this TNT drama. Sweat dripped from his hairy, but not like crazy hairy, arms. You could see a bit of his still-toned and honed abs through his clingy gray tank top. He and his other two friends may have been men of a certain age, but he didn't act like it. Okay, I see. Uh, Andrew... Also narrates many fine non-spot bacula programs as well. But we haven't even spoken of the NCIS of Nolans. 
okay what do we have ready uh let me see here we are so uh just a second um hear this if you will uh, uh- A great pain rose in his befuddled and emotionally wounded face. The joy of reconciliation extinguished. He cried out like Sisyphus at the cruel fates in a land long ago. We were on a break! But alas, Rachel had gone, perhaps never to return, to her once treasured Ross. Andrew's TV tales are available online at any major e-tailer. Oh, goodbye, gentle listener. It's time to put Get It Done back on the shelf and open the books on Storyteller. Oh, hello there, gentle listeners. It's wonderful to get lost in a story, isn't it? Adventure and heroics and discovery, don't they just take you away (laughs) come with us now if you will join us on a voyage of the mind on a little tale we like to call storyteller what uh so to be clear even in andrew's fantasy Mm -hmm. he can't smoke a pipe without coughing (laughs) you know um maybe maybe this is let's say it's like a green screen thing where his fantasy extends around him sure but he still, like, maybe has, like, a pipe he's smoking. Okay. So it covers the toilet that he's sitting on mm-hmm. instead of this lush library. Yeah. He pr- mispronounces vampires vampires. Vampire. His footage of Buffy slaying the vamp is actually, like, well done. He might yeah. have a job as, like, a videographer. He could work for cops. Sure. Uh, just a really great fight. At first, I'm like, this is part of his fantasy. And then later on in the episode, I'm like, oh, no, this is a fight that really happened. Yeah. It's, it's just very good choreography. I really like her handstand on top of the gravestone. Mm-hmm. Always cool. good. And, you know, she uses the crossbow. I thought of you. Yeah. So Anya knocking on the door breaks the fantasy. He's actually on the toilet talking to himself. And so we get her fabulous line. Why can't you just masturbate like the rest of us? <laughs> But we flash back to Andrew filming Buffy in the graveyard. There's some weird editing going on here. Speaking mm. of season seven tropes. Uh-oh. Of like, there's a sweeping crane shot during Buffy's fight. Yeah. Why? Andrew does not have a crane. Uh, I mean, maybe that's part of like the fantasy part of it. Uh, but so it's like, there's also like a crane, like when the two of them are talking and he's no longer filming. And I feel like that's not part of the fantasy. Like at the, this point, a crane. so there's just these little, te- it's just, it's also like framed weird. They're mm. teeny tiny specks at the bottom of the frame. Yeah. While Buffy's talking about, talking about not yeah. wanting to be filmed. This should be, if Andrew's holding on to a video camera, mm. this should be paparazzi style. Yeah in your face as if like he's holding the camera in front of him and it frames it badly i'm a little mixed as to whether i i want this episode to be aside from like the obviously fantasy breaks which i like having those in if i want the rest of the episode to be almost exclusively like the home video footage or like i want that to be interspersed but there are definitely some moments where it could be a little clearer what's what well, and that's just it. If this, you know, he's got the camera down. So at this point, mm-hmm. if this is just not part of the fantasy, mm-hmm. then at the very least it should be shot like a normal episode of Buffy, yeah. which does not have not only a lot of crane shots, 
poorly framed crane yeah. shots. Questionable crane shots, yeah. What's um Fraser crane shots? <laughs> more more of a Niles man. So. <laughs> yeah, me me too. Anya tells Anya. Anya tells. <laughs> Anya tells Anya. Hi Anya, I'm Anya. <laughs> Firsty first first. Andrew tells Anya that he wants to document Buffy's triumph for future generations. Anya is very pessimistic that there will be future generations to tell until she gets some screen time and then she's all behind it. Andrew uses a dry erase board to explain the Hellmouth and the first. Question. Yeah. Who's filming this? Does the camera move? Is it on a tripod? It moves and there's at least two angles. So I don't know if it's supposed to be like... He has like one of those like little remotes in his hand. I didn't notice that. Mm. Um, but the two angles is the part that like, mm. did you? Yeah. I don't know how you did that. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that like the, so the concept of this episode of Andrew's fantasy mm. and his quote unquote documentarian mm-hmm. lens. I love, I absolutely love this yeah. episode is like famous as one of the, the great concepts for a Buffy episode, mm. but it's, I just want them to be a little cleaner about it. Yeah, just like really commit to the conceit when you're doing it. Yeah. I'm okay if you don't have the whole episode filmed from his camera. There's there's ways that could easily just get annoying. A lot of found footage movies have the, especially the third act problem of why the fuck are you still filming? Sure. There's a demon eating your leg right now. Right, right, right. Put down the camera for a second. But I feel like most scenes in this episode could totally justify or find a a reasonable reason for it to still be happening and then maybe at the end that's when you cut back to not being filmed on a camera or in andrew's head and then you have like your first real buffy looking shots when he's like admitting what he did at the helm helm out well and i just i feel like the shots that they have in here that are clearly supposed to be andrew's camera like just be better about like making sure that there's one angle and if you do zoom you gotta see andrew holding a remote Mm -hmm. zooming the camera yeah like just commit to that or or just like talking to somebody off screen and hearing like okay yeah especially like he before this he had just spoken to anya about mm -hmm. being on camera and getting her help so if what he did was like manipulate her into being behind the camera and filming him then yeah have her have him say to anya like anya zoom in here and her going like you little twerp and then (laughs) doing it uh andrew films breakfast and decides to do character intros as everyone's eating their kids cereal sure that's not what you have every morning that seems i mean right now i have adult cereal adults you eat adults yeah. Cereal. That's a weird name for a cereal because that kind of feels like cannibalism. Mmm, <laughs> kids. I'm, I'm, I guess Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, we eat there those. You go. But I'm not a Sour Patch, so. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. I love the fuzzy slow-mo filters, you know. Mm-hmm. Buffy's sexily pours the cereal. <laughs> she is, by the way, wearing a white shirt. What? Speaking of shirts, shirtless Spike comes in. Wonderful. Just, I have no complaints about that. And Andrew says they have some sort of history. You can feel the heat between them. Although technically as a vampire, he is room temperature. Vampire. And then Anya 
I thought of you, Mike. She comes into camera sexily eating grapes. <laughs> why, why, why would you think? What? <laughs> and she's not. I mean, like, there's no reason she couldn't have been wearing the roller. Girl, no I'm just I saying. Mean, we don't. We don't know what was going on with her feet. We didn't see. I mean, that's head cannon. Uh, the potential's opinion on this is that if we save the world, it would be nice to have a record of it. But if they mm. don't save the world, then nothing matters. Just very, I don't know. It's very zen. Mm. Like they said, they're like, you know, like, oh, that's depressing. Like, that's also kind of just like true. Yeah. Buffy starts a speech and Andrew pieces out. Uh, Okay. This, for this alone, I give this episode a lot of credit for acknowledging, at least starting to address like, oh, wait, we've, we've, we've done this a lot. Maybe we have a problem this season. Well, this the is where I feel like you can it. tell that the internet is more widely mm. used yeah. this season and message boards are a thing mm. because it feels like last season, last episodes, um, Spike's storyline was a reaction to fans being like, Spike's a wuss now. Mm. This episode, this part about, you know, Buffy having the speech as a reaction to fans on message boards going like, Oh my God, shut yeah, up already. Speech, yeah. Whereas like, I like this one cause it feels like, Oh, let's look at this. That's right. As like last episode, the spike thing seems kind of cheap. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. one feels like, no, we're admitting we made a mistake. Yeah. So Andrew tells his backstory from his point of view <laughs> that he was a super villain. In apparently uh, the Adam West Batman series. Absolutely. Uh, he says he wants to make Buffy magnetic <laughs> and things will fly to her like knives. Well, what if we're wearing belts? In my plan, we are beltless. Yes, suspenders. When he's done, Buffy is still speechifying. Even Willow looks bored. <laughs> and so Willow, you know, Kennedy goes to keep her company. Because they're okay now. Because I guess the five-second crisis their relationship was in when Kennedy was like, ooh, you're scary when you turned evil. I guess that's cool now. That's sure. That wasn't a problem that, that was, needed that addressing. Was a, that was addressed in that scene that you don't remember. I guess. Now they're cool. Uh, Andrew retells the story of his encounter with Dark Willow, but makes himself out to be the badass hero. I deflect that power. This is fabulous. Yes. Using the actual footage from season mm-hmm. six. Yeah. Andrew stops the Willow zap. Like the way that Jonathan like yeeps in the background. It's a yeep. There's no other yep. word for it. <laughs> the only reason this doesn't totally work is that all of the shots of Andrew break the 180 rule. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, he's looking the wrong direction. Like, yeah. you guys couldn't figure that out. Although, part of me wonders if, if, if part of that's on purpose to be like, even his fantasy can't really get it right. Sure. It must, I mean, like, why else would they do it? But yeah, this is, yeah. his fantasy here is wonderful. Yeah. And I love the the kind of like Back to the Future tuniness of it, of like, we know this is the real footage. This is not the real footage. It's yeah. Just inserted in. I feel like it would be so fun to be Danny Strong in this episode. Oh, he gets they give him so much to yeah. do. Uh, so now Buffy stopped talking, which usually means she had to go to work. <laughs> when Buffy arrives at school, there's a fight in the hallway. The girl starts disappearing because she feels ignored. And then as she starts to see her, she gets distracted and she starts to get visible again. Oh, really? Like I didn't notice just, that. You can like just see a little bit of it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's great. And you get the girl running out of the bathroom. The mirror said I was 
fat. It said it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the stressed out guy that thinks he might explode. Yeah. He's going to explode. Principal Wood was the victim of a rock throw. And then the stressed out boy, which is literally his credit, literally explodes. Wow. Gross. Andrew does more introductions. He says Don used to be a key. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> Which is kind of like, asshole, ask. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, your journalistic abilities leave something to be desired. Yeah. Well, I just, it, I, I love it because it's so bad and annoying that he narrates as he's filming. It's like, God damn it. Nobody would ever do that if they were a real documentarian. No, well, it's I mean, the dumbest thing in the world. No, he's terrible. At this. He's terrible. He's so bad. Speaking of which, hey, here's something you'll be interested in. (laughs) And you think that he's zooming in on the two lesbians making out, but instead he's zooming in on the fine work Xander did replacing that window sash. I think you just like kind of see them in the corner. Yeah, they're always still in there. He's so oblivious. I love Mm -hmm. it. Uh, And then so he interviews them and (laughs) opens with the nonchalant question. Exactly one year ago today, you left Anya at the altar. Any comments? Uh, the, uh, the, some gotcha journalism. <laughs> Meanwhile, the seal is uncovered again. That's why the kids are all going wacky. We get, thank goodness, mention of the swim team. Yes. Kristen, boys have needs. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I had an excuse to say it again. <laughs> I know. Five scenes later, and we're still talking about fish rape. So Robin decides to get up close and personal with the seal. Uh, Buffy says that Willow couldn't find anything about the symbol. And he says, do you trust her? Uh-oh. I have forgotten this scene. So I was immediately <laughs> very offended. <laughs> I was very upset at my computer. Yeah. Like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. It's well, Willow. Not- it's Willow. That's her best friend. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, and he says, why do you... Why should any of you trust each other? You've all been evil at some point. Like, okay. No, I got uh, it. Uh, I, I know g- what's happening. I see what's happening here. He uh, was covered in the bad mood slime. <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> oh, and babe is still there. Yes. That'll do pig. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spike is acting fed up with the camera. <laughs> oh, Spikey Spike. Uh, they do multiple takes of him yelling at Andrew for filming him. This I like because it also feels like, I don't know if it's necessarily meant to be, but it feels like a commentary on, now I'm badass because I'm wearing my coat again. It's like, no, you're, you're not really. You're just putting on this facade. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, so you know the part in Restless, mm-hmm. the spike part where they're, he's doing like a photo shoot, shoot in his crypt? Oh, kind of make you think of that. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I was like, I don't know if that's necessarily what they were predicting. Like an echo of that, yeah, yeah. Anya and Xander talk, and this is a nice moment. They both tell each yeah. other they love them. Of course they do. Of course, but like, do, do, what does that mean now? Yeah, and that's a really good question. Andrew watches the footage of them having this conversation. He's memorized the words. Well, half the words. Maybe I'm misremembering it, but doesn't he? basically say Anya's part? Well, yeah, that doesn't mean he... I mean, in order to know Anya's part, you have to know... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's just like, oh, he's got a little crush. <laughs> he, it's, he's just... It's the moment where Anya tells Xander how amazing he is, mm-hmm. that 
that that Andrew repeats. Buffy recruits Andrew to help them close up the seal. Because, uh, you know, there's those kids down there doing the seal Macarena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be evil to do the Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Oh, mouth. <laughs> Get out of my apartment. <laughs> uh, flashback to Andrew and Jonathan in Mexico. Oh. They not only had shared bad dreams of the first, they're also sharing a bed. Willow is charming his memories, so that's why we're getting these flashbacks. Look into the Himalayan pink salt. Right? It's a pink salt lamp. <laughs> yep. Which maybe at the time was a novel enough thing, but like now going I'm to any like, fucking Whole Foods. Yeah. You get, there's there's got to be a, a rack of them. Like every day on Facebook, it's just like, you want one of these? I'm like, I don't. Oh, don't Go away. You. I have enough lamps and salt. <laughs> so when Jonathan goes to the bathroom, Warren appears to Andrew. Jonathan has been a good friend here to me in Mexico. He said he'd buy me a burro. <laughs> this is the first time that I've watched this episode with subtitles, so I never never understood the second part of that line. But now I'm so happy that I know he was buying him a burro. Yeah, of course. I was, I, before I was like, I don't understand the gibberish you just said. Now I was like, no, he's going to buy him a donkey. Buy you a burro. Uh, Warren says, stab him and make him a sacrifice. It won't hurt him. And then all three of us will live as gods. <laughs> we are as gods. Very important. One of the very few times they change the gur are. Oh, yes. We are as gods. <laughs> uh, another time. It's just fun to be Danny Strong in this episode. Yep. Just I was I watched this twice just to like watch their choreography. Yep. At some point, Warren points to someone off screen. <laughs> uh, the old Wayne Newton. Yep. That. Warren uh, says, drive the words deep into him, which will be important. Andrew's been using the knife as a steak knife, uh, which is gross. Yeah. We've all learned from CSI, it's not enough just to clean it. And also, like, nobody else noticed this ritualistic dagger. I hope that, my hope is that no one actually use this crew is not eating steak. Yeah, it seems to be a mostly cereal diet. And, like, you're not using a steak knife to cut a funnel cake. Like, it's, they're fine. <laughs> maybe bagels. Maybe bagels. Maybe, maybe that's a deleted scene from last episode. Is Andrew gets so bad at the funnel cake that he just stabs it. <laughs> the inscription on it gives Willow an idea, which we're going to be kept in the dark on until the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Andrew speaks the demon language, so that's their ruse to get him to go to the seal. The school is in Mad Max-style disarray. Marching band rules. Die, cheerleaders. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't agree with that graffiti. I appreciate that. I got along with the marching band. That is an incorrect spelling word. I was like, what is Principula? Principula. Principal. That's the the demon they encountered. I I was for a second there. I was just like, is there another demon that I don't remember? That's what it looks like. Pazuzu. So Andrew's narration says, check out Spike and the Principal. Sexual tension you can cut with a knife. Uh, I'd watch that. Oh, I bet you would. <laughs> I would definitely watch that. <laughs> okay, so really ridiculous fight scenes here. Mm-hmm. Super strong adults. You've got Buffy. Yeah. Superpowers. Spike. Superpowers. Yeah. Robin. 
might as well have superpowers. Like, as far as we can tell, decades of Batman-style training. Yes. And they are scared of some rioting teenagers. Well, and here's the thing. All they needed to do is make it be about, like, we can't hurt them too much. Sure. And they do have a line about, like, the seal is making them strong somehow. I call bullshit. I'm sorry. That feels a lot like last month. They're like, wait, why the fuck are they not being like... Because it's definitely an 80-yard line. Like, no, it's... No. Yeah. Yeah, just the idea that, like, yeah, not only can you not kill them, but, like, guys, they're teenagers. Come on. Yeah. Even if they have the the physical strength, they're still teenagers. Probably pretty untrained when it comes to fighting. Yeah, there'd have to be a ton of them for this to, like, make a difference. Uh, And, like, the, the... moment that really pissed me off it was very you remember season one i kept getting upset about that moment when buffy can't close a door and she's like yeah xander help me at one point one of these teenagers grabs buffy and she goes spike fuck off with that no yeah just another sign of like they they, it just looks like cheapness they didn't have enough time to like choreograph things properly for like people to bring up because i'm sure somebody they want some an point, action if, beat they're yeah. like we need to have an action beat i'm like i don't think i really need one i'm fine andrew is still trying to document buffy takes his camera and calls him a murderer mm-hmm. and he says that's not really what happened so we get a flashback to warn egging him on yeah. he resists and is the point here that the stabbing is an accident yeah that there's a that, tussle yeah that it's not like i deliberately did this but like i was I was I was conflicted. I wasn't sure if I was going to, and then then Jonathan came at me, and it just I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. And he says no. No. A Return of the Jedi. No. Yeah, better than Revenge of the Sith. Uh, except that we know it didn't happen this way. Yeah. Buffy tells him that Wood was possessed by a seal. So like, yeah, okay, it makes sense that yeah. like messed with you and Andrew's like yeah 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 that's what happens so he reimagines the murder again but this time Andrew's possessed and she strips it was just like you changed your story <laughs> like back to back and I like this and again this seems fun for the actors that you get mm-hmm. to keep redoing this scene yeah. different ways so now the chanting students have become bringers oh no their eyes are all hieroglyphics mm-hmm. so okay 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 so fine fine Mike Fine. Fine. They're human. Yes. Fine. Yeah. Can we still kill them? Because here's the thing. Okay, they're teenagers mm-hmm. and they've they've been possessed by an evil and they've become bringers. Mm-hmm. Is there any coming back from that? It's not clear. Because I feel like if you can't come back from that, it's okay to kill them. Yeah, and I think the context of, like, they know this is, like, the war to end all evil wars mm-hmm. might make it a little bit more flexible about, like, yeah, we know these are technically humans, but they're serving the very first evil. And if there's no way to not be- do that anymore once you've become a bringer, yeah. it's kind of hard to say, like, well, let's just tie them up. Yeah, like, I mean, forever. Is- and, like, th- it seems like they might have kind of magical abilities and yeah. yeah meanwhile anya and xander boned wow. and they both kind of agree that this was their one more time mm-hmm. that they're like okay i feel yeah. closure spike and robin are oh no attacked by students oh no they're one weakness i'm terrified for them 
Robin gets the opportunity to stake Spike, but is tackled by another student. Womp womp. He's pretty, but I don't like him. After Buffy takes out all the bringers, who I paid attention, they've either been knocked out or run away, or maybe they're dead, but they just look like she knocks them out. Mm. I feel like they just kind of like didn't want to talk about the possibility of her killing teenagers. Uh, It's Andrew's turn. The demon translation plan was a ruse. The seal only understands blood. The blood of the person who awoke it will close it. Still narrating the action, Buffy yells at him. She says, life isn't a story. There's no script. You are responsible for your actions. Good doesn't always triumph over evil, and we may all die. So she holds Andrew over the seal, Mm -hmm. threatens to kill him, and he starts to cry. He says he knew that quote-unquote Warren wasn't really Warren. He says, all's fault, and Andrew's tears deactivate the seal. Upstairs, the students stop fighting. It's weird that they just walk away. Yeah, not even like a few shots of them being like, what? That, I need them to be like, where the fuck am I and how did I get here? Did you notice there's some like bad ADR of, I think it's Buffy just saying like, it needed tears, not blood. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the audience is going to be too stupid to get this. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone's real dumb, guys. Later, Andrew speaks one more time to the camera. He says, I killed my best friend. I probably won't live through this fight. He turns off the camera. That's it. Yeah. So what's the lesson in Storyteller? You can't detach yourself from your actions. You have to confront them and take responsibility. Yeah. Stop telling stories that justify whatever you're doing or did, whatever's going on. and Rewriting history and creating yeah. this fancy fantasy. Face it. Yeah. So what do you think of this one? Like we said, there's definitely some issues. But overall, I think the, the the fun of the concept and a lot of like the neat little humorous bits are welcome relief compared to a lot of this season, which is either boring or depressing or just confused. Uh, uh, it's definitely a highlight of recent episodes, even if it's also got some failed potential. Yeah, I love this. It, it definitely has some problems. It's mm-hmm. not perfect. Yeah. But yeah, this is a standout of season seven and I enjoy it. It's a really great concept and a really great like use of a storytelling device Mm -hmm. to drive home the lesson or the metaphor of an episode. It's this, you know, we didn't use this inside the actor's studio-esque, you know, storyteller thing willy nilly. It serves the purpose of the episode. White shirt count for this week? Two. Two. Not bad. I'll say for speech count, I'm going to say two. Because uh, I count, obviously, the big speech Buffy gives about how everyone's an asshole. Right. Um, and then the speech that's called out for, like, oh, Buffy's always making speeches. I could see arguments for, like, her talking to Andrew at the end. I feel like that's a little more dialogue-y. Agreed. Um, and even, like, her little, like, mini rant about, like, a Wicca, who won't I? Before the the big speech, I don't think that's enough of a speech. So let's say two, and I think that's especially since one they make fun of, a lot better than than previous weeks. Totally agree. So would you be ready to go, much like Buffy traveled internationally to somewhere in Africa? Question mark. Sure. International. Buffy Tapaja Vampirit. Ernie Dragon das Rind Fleisch Canoe. International. 
Right. Also, possibly Giles, because where the fuck is he? I guess he's out. Uh, he's like, oh, I can touch stuff now. I'm just going to go to like... Touch gar- Olivia. Oh, man. Oh, I wish. That's my headcanon now. <laughs> For Get It Done, German, The Offer. Mm. From The Shadow Men. No, I get it. Sure. I get it. I get it. It is more memorable than Get It Done. I'm gonna, I was going to say, it's better than Get It Done, which might be one of my least favorite titles. Yeah. That can only be the title to an awesome episode that you remember. It's like the title run for Breaking Bad. It's pretty memorable the time he says run. Okay. But uh regardless, uh French title, forget it done. Return to the source. Okay. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. That one's I think a legitimately uh, a better title. Um, I would be happy with Shadow Men. Yeah, even that would be better. Or Shadows. I think that's probably already an episode title, right? Shadow is in season five. Shadow. Shadows. It's all out. Um, Storyteller, I only have one, but it's an interesting one. The French title for Storyteller, Under the Influence. Okay, so people are under the influence of the seal. Yeah. That is not the main point of the episode. Yeah, and even like the... when. When Andrew lies about being under the seal, that's one of several lies. So it feels like, I, yeah, I don't know why they would pick that. I think Storyteller is a pretty solid title for yeah. the episode. Yeah. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. Because of my aforementioned problems with a certain scene, I feel like I had to go with a uh a more fun choice and that is the uh the stressed out guy the oh. exploding boy yeah. yeah okay i had issues here i got really technical uh fighting with myself about the definition of a sleigh mm-hmm. um i would love to give it to buffy kicking the first watcher's asses yeah. because fuck the patriarchy and t- burn it all mm-hmm. down but they live so that sucks. I'd love to give it to the vampire in the beginning of Storyteller, but while the choreography is really cool, the sleigh itself is very lame. Just very run of the mill. So I gotta give it to Spike slaying the demon and get it done. Cause it's, I did remember it even before this. The idea that old Spike is back and he's got his duster on. Okay. I can, I, I can see that. Are you ready for an international bonus? Yes. This is according to online sources. So trust them. Questionable. As, as you will. But according to an online source, the voice in the uh, the nightmare. Wait, hold on. Back up. The nightmare? Uh, Like the little like weird flashy nightmare Andrew has in Mexico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It says in Spanish. Again, sorry for my uh, terrible Spanish. Desde abajo te devora, based from beneath your devours. It eats you, starting with your bottom. But it uh, it says that Andrew and Jonathan probably heard it as, or hear it as, Desme Abdul de Devora, which could be incorrectly translated into "It eats you, starting at the bottom." Okay. So it's like kind of like an online explanation as to how they misheard that. 
mistranslated it and got it eats you starting with sure. your Sure. That's like for the longest time, people, uh, if somebody asked me if I spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. I would answer in Spanish, a little boy. <laughs> instead of, yeah, instead of a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I speak a little boy. <laughs> I speak a little boy. <laughs> no, I'd be like, I, I have to answer that way. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Oh, un poquito, un poquito. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. Look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Sunnydale Stacks is a part of the 27th Letter Productions Network. Look for our sister podcast, Hey Do You Remember? And join us next time when we dust off Lies My Parents Told Me and Dirty Girls. We're not going to dust off any Dirty Girls. When we get lost in Sunnydale Sticks. Let's have some dirty girls. No. Because they're dirty. Dirty. You gotta get all that dirt off them. Yeah. With a, like a little feather duster. Gonna dust their shoulders off.